welcome to episode 50 of the Anomalous Black Women Podcast. It's me, Dina. It's me, Tasha. It's also Dr. Johnson. <laughs> and we also have a special guest today with us. Y'all say hi to uh, Dr. Maisha Claiborne. Hi, Dr. Claiborne. Hey. hey, gorgeous. <laughs> I know, right? She's so pretty. Yeah. Beautiful. We're gonna um we're gonna introduce you all a little bit more thoroughly to Dr. Claiborne here shortly. Um, but Vina, Dr. Johnson. Dr. Johnson again traipsing internationally. We ain't been she ain't been on the podcast the last few episodes. Where you been, Dr. Johnson? Facts. Um, Mexico. And Jamaica. I went to oh, Jamaica cool. with you. Oh yeah, you did. Y'all, I felt like y'all was gone a real long time, and I felt some type of way about that. Just so y'all know, I feel like we weren't gone long enough. How long? Thank it you. was like twelve days. No, it wasn't. Oh, no. I wish it was twelve days. How long was y'all gone? Like four days. Two days times two. No. Oh, well. Maybe it was just my missing Tanya and Vina clock doubling up on my days because I felt like y'all was gone for 28 days. Okay, that's <laughs> I feel like you were gone on your cruise for 500 days. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that was only like three days. That was a nice, it was a nice little short getaway. Um, if you ever have an opportunity to just go by yourself and you've never done it before, do it. I can't go on no cruise. Huh? You know I cannot go on a cruise. But it doesn't have to be a cruise. Just anywhere. Oh, don't worry. I'm going to go on by, on a trip by myself somewhere. Yes, honey. All <laughs> and turn your phone off. Me another one. A what? And, and turn, turn her phone off. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. I definitely got to turn my phone off. She my might be able to turn the phone calls off or the, uh, the messages, but she ain't turning off the Wi-Fi. Oh, that no, definitely not. That's not happening. Turn the Wi-Fi off. Got to keep the Wi-Fi on. Because she's got to scroll. You know she's got to scroll. Yes, she does. <laughs> and yeah. I got to Tasha on WhatsApp. <laughs> yes, you got to let me know you made it. Let me know you're okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Y'all, Bina will fall asleep. There has been times that I've been driving. I look over, play Bina, and she wake up, and the first thing she do is start scrolling. <laughs> <laughs> But that was funny to me. I wish I could record it. <laughs> my businesses. All my businesses. I had to keep up what's going on. <laughs> I understand. I understand. All right. So, um, you know. What you been doing? Me? No, you. Me? No, you. Well, she has been, been chilling. I just, you know. Loving life, doing things and stuff, and being me. No? Okay. Um, I'm about to embark on a certification. It's time for me to get a certification. Another one. Well, you know. <laughs> Look, I got to keep up with y'all. I ain't going from a doctor, but <laughs> I got to keep up with y'all, you know? So, nah. Um, it's, you know, one of those professional certs. It's time getting the, the timeline together and um, 
I think there's a book about to come out here soon. Finally. Mm, interesting. Oh, uh, more to come on that. Um, and I will be, you know, I have, I think I have a bit of, we, we gonna talk about that with Dr. Maisha's imposter stuff. Cause yes, honey. It's, it's, it's floating and it's bad. It's, it's been floating for a long time. <laughs> we need some, some NLP, some <laughs> hypnosis, some something, something. Come on with it, Dr. Mike. Cause I need honey. Let's, let's, uh, Go ahead and um, introduce our guest, uh, listeners, to our guest, Dr. Maisha Claiborne. We have Dr. Maisha Claiborne. She is, she did her, she got her bachelor's at Emory University. She did, she got her medical degree at Morehouse um, Medical. And she did her family residency at Florida Hospital. Um, she has certifications in neurolinguistic programming, hypnosis, and timeline therapy. She um, is a big proponent of the power of the unconscious mind. So I am very, um, this is very interesting to me because I am, um, my degree is in metaphysical science so metaphysical psychology so um that is it all goes together and so i am very interested um so without further ado we're going to go through our our questions that we always ask our guests about their business so we can get into the meat and potatoes of dr maisha is it clairborne or claiborne it's Clairborn, but please just call me Dr. Maisha. <laughs> okay. Did I ever say that all wrong? You know, Clayborn is a street in New Orleans that I'm familiar with. And it just, when I see all the letters, I just, I'm sorry. Well, you know what? The the truth is that um, back in the day, it used to be Clayborn. And my <laughs> grandfather added an R to the name. And there's okay. a whole story around that. Because, you know, we all got stories, right? <laughs> Oh, when people say Claiborne or Claiborne, it's Claiborne now. But when they say Claiborne, I have nothing going on because it used to be Claiborne. And there's a whole part of my family that is Claiborne. Wow. Crazy. That is a story. That's a whole story. That's a whole story. So, you know. (laughs) You know, and and that's generational because. Yes. It is. I'm I'm pretty sure that along the line there was probably a blacksmith instead of a just smith like I am. So you know, hey. <laughs> but that's the that's my issue. So um, tell us what it is that you do on a daily basis. What is your business? Right. Well, first of all, I just want to thank you, beautiful ladies for having me on. It is refreshing just to be amongst just the the beauty and all of these. So I I really just want to thank y'all for having me on. I have to say that first and give give y'all your flowers, you know, Um, I appreciate y'all. 
Um, so as, as you said, I'm, I'm a family doc by training, but I left clinical medicine about, uh, gosh, it's been six years now. Uh, I had a practice in integrative medicine. So when you said metaphysical, I was leaning into that because before I was a doctor, I was um, a Reiki master or oh. am. Yeah. So I, I, I do energy, love aromatherapy, all the, I still, I, I have a whole lab in my closet of essential oils, you know, I, all the things, right? So uh, integrative medicine was my specialty and that's what I practiced for many years. And then in the process of that, I learned neuro-linguistic programming and uh, hypnosis and timeline therapy. But what I do now, and I know we're going to get into that, what I do now is I teach neuro-linguistic programming. So I do coach certifications in NLP, hypnosis, and timeline therapy. So I do that. And also I teach trauma-informed communication. And I do that in healthcare and education and community organizations. Um, I'm really committed for people to understand trauma, the brain, and how it impacts our behavior, our thinking, um, our communication, and how to bring that trauma-informed communication into these spaces to really um, stop harmful cycles. So I do this inside the equity, diversity, inclusion space. And um, and my commitment really is to stop harmful cycles, uh, change the conversation for future generations. And I do it for my son. I mean, he's eight eight, and, you know, he's part of that alpha generation. They're different. (laughs) Oh, is that what we're on now? (laughs) That's what we're on now, the alpha generation. And they are different children. They are. And just really empowering them to, you know, be uh, expanded in their capacity to communicate and manage their emotions and, and be assertive and stand for themselves. I just took all of that in. It was like, you know, like a a, a deep inhale. <laughs> I'm kind of like exhaling on it like, hey, all right. Okay. So where are you located? I am here in Atlanta, Georgia. So I actually, you know how, for those who know Atlanta, for those who don't know Atlanta, we say Atlanta. We really mean a lot of things. So I actually live in Tucker, which is okay. like Northeast Atlanta. And, but I, but I always say Atlanta. That's, that's, that's where I've been for the past 20 plus years. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And how long have you been, you said, how long have you been a medical doctor and how long have you been into the NLP, the hypnosis, the part that you're doing doing now, the trauma-informed. So I finished med school in 2001. So I and and then finished um, residency in 2004. So it's been a, a long time that I've been doing the work that I'm doing as a physician. But then I learned NLP in 2013. Um, so this is my 10 year anniversary. I just realized that right now, like, oh, 10 year anniversary. Happy um, anniversary. Yay. And, and I started teaching it in 2000 and um, I started teaching in 2020. So I, I started coaching. I got trained to be a trainer in 2017, but then I was using it mostly in organizations and speaking and coaching. And then in 2020, um, I decided to start my school and that's where I started doing most of the training and the consulting and the and the um, advisory work came actually out of the pandemic and the events that happened 
with George Floyd and, and Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor. And then I just thought, how can I bring what I know into the, um, the equity and diversity inclusion space? And what I saw was that there's a bunch of trainings out there about unconscious bias, but there's not a lot of skill sets being taught to mm-hmm. people. So it's like, oh yeah, well I have bias, now what? Right. And so what what I do is I bring in, I fill the gap of what happens after you learn you have bias. And and when you learn about the the, the symptoms of oppressive culture, the characteristics of oppressive culture, what do you do? How do you communicate? So I teach that. I teach that in more mixed, mixed uh, demographic communities. But when I focus on in our community is healing from trauma. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Well, it looks like, Doctor, you've already answered how did you get started, right? So let's talk about um, the nature of the business, right? How did you leave MD, you know, treating the physical and now you're treating the mental? So we know as a culture, you've experienced several types of traumas. Even when we were talking about our last names, our last names was given to us by slave owners, mm-hmm. plantation owners. Mm-hmm. So how do you treat that? And how do you execute getting folk to understand they need it? You know, it's a bit, that's a very interesting question. So you, you asked a few questions and one was like, how did I transition out of clinical medicine? Um, to backtrack, my undergraduate degree is in psychology. And so I really always had this fascination with why we do things. Like what's the root? Which is why I went into integrative medicine because I was always interested in the root cause of disease. And what I found was that, you know, in the work that I did as a physician, most of what I dealt with was mindset. Uh It was the beliefs that people had about what they could and could not do, what was healthy and what was not healthy. Healthy doesn't taste good. Healthy is hard. Exercise is hard. And so I spent most of the time with my patients shifting beliefs. And so getting into NLP and being able to use that in my practice was all about shifting beliefs. And so I basically took that and moved it into coaching. And so my, my work has always been in that getting to the root of belief, right? Getting to the root of belief. And so in terms of... Um, trauma, when I started to really get into this world of trauma and really understand how much trauma impacts us and how even when we don't realize it, I'll tell you, I, I am the child survivor of domestic uh, abuse. So I, a child witnessed it. I witnessed it as a child growing up. And when I was in my 30s, like mid 30s, I was talking to a good friend of mine girlfriend of mine and who happened to be a therapist and we were talking about something else and she asked me just sort of out of the blue are you a trauma survivor and in my mind I was like no I'm not a trauma survivor now my mother is a trauma survivor because she was the person being abused and she looked at me and she was like don't you understand that because you are that you are a child in the home that you are a trauma survivor too and I was like and that just like blew my mind. I was like, what? How, how was I? And then when she explained it to me, it made sense. So I say all that to say that like, when pe- there are people who are walking around who have experienced trauma, who don't realize 
that they've experienced tra trauma because of the nature of how uh, I would say the generation before me and our generation, it was keep it moving. It was, you know, survival. And so we didn't think about feelings and we didn't think about trauma. We didn't think about that. We just thought, you know, we just got to survive and keep it moving. And and this word, this whole concept of, of trauma and being impacted by trauma is fairly new, right? The trauma is not new, but the concept of being impacted by it, and especially right. our culture, our, our folk mm -hmm. is fairly new. Mm -hmm. And so that's, you know, when I started to lean into that, I was like, oh, okay, we need to know about this. We need to understand this because yes, there is trauma within our own lives, but then there's this whole generational trauma and cultural trauma that we experience and vicarious trauma uh -huh. that we experience. And, and the work that I do, what it helps to do is number one, understand how we how our bodies respond to trauma. Like what is the trauma response? How do we in the moments begin to uh, emotionally regulate ourselves? But also like particularly the timeline therapy, how do we recontextualize or look at it from different perspectives to be able to release the emotion that is stuck in our bodies as a result of the trauma? Because the event or the events or the things themselves, they happened, we can't change that. Mm -hmm. But we can change how our body responds to that and how our brain responds to that. And that's the work that I do. I need to come visit you. <laughs> I mean, because the the one thing that you um, stated early was the fact that We've experienced so much trauma, but we've only just come to a place where we're recognizing that trauma has effects, you know, and um, acknowledgement is like the first step, right? Yeah. Because if you don't acknowledge that you've even been um, um, affected by trauma or experienced trauma, then you, you have no starting place. And so you're going to keep basically going through you know the cycle of the effects of trauma so um yeah i don't want to Vina. Vina, you okay um what are the um biggest issues for running this type of business I would say probably, I would say probably just the education part, mm -hmm. having people understand um, what this work is, you know? Um, I think that there's a lot of preconceived notions about what hypnosis is, about working with the unconscious mind, you know? You know? Um, what the unconscious mind even is. And a lot of what I do is just really education about the fact that, you know, the conscious mind only runs 10% of the show. And 90% of everything that we do is run by the unconscious mind. Yeah. yeah. I was looking at this documentary about um, how most of every 
thing in our body is done with our unconscious mind. So everything that we do, like walking, talking, doing, you know, like everything that I'm doing right now is done with my unconscious mind. Like, you know what I'm saying? So most of everything that we do throughout our everyday lives, like driving, Mm -hmm. is done with our unconscious mind. We don't even think about it. We just do it. you think you think that you know you think that you know what you know what i'm saying you think that you know but you don't <laughs> you don't know near <laughs> you don't yeah it's you, so don't. you don't that's how come you can you can you can be driving and you can your mind can go somewhere else and you can still be driving to wherever you're going because your unconscious mind knows where you're going yeah. and you be like dang How'd I get here? Yeah, how did I get here? (laughs) And you know, to that point, like when your mind goes to somewhere else, that's like you're in trance. That's a form of trance. And so that's kind of like what I explained to people about hypnosis is that it's just being in trance and we are in trance all the time, all the time, which is why like be be careful what you watch on TV. Mm -hmm. Be careful what you're listening to, because when you're in trance, you're more suggestible. We're all suggestible all the time. And so that's why it's so important to be very intentional about mm-hmm. what we put in our brains. You know, yeah. what we're feeding our mind. Just like when we, we always talk about what you should be intentional about what we're feeding our bodies, about yeah. our food. It's the same thing with our minds, you yeah. know? So, yeah. I saw this thing there. It said that um, that's why it's called spelling words because words are spells. And that's why you have to be intentional about what you feed your brain because mm-hmm. words and that's why it's called spelling. <laughs> I never, I never heard it put that way, but that makes sense. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> that just made me feel some type of way. <laughs> well, you know, that's that's one of the reasons I teach this work because when when you can learn neurolinguistic programming, you can learn what to listen for and what to look out for then you recognize when certain patterns are coming up and you can interrupt those patterns. I'm talking about patterns from others. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, that's one of the reasons I don't watch like political debates and things of that nature is because mm-hmm. a, a lot of times the, the high politicians are trained in hypnotic language. Mm-hmm. And so if we look at certain um, people who used to be at the head of this country, gotcha, and and listen to him speak, I was list. I don't. I, I had. I had never listened to him do an address, but at some point, I was. I was. You know, I think I was like scrolling YouTube, and and it came up, and I just started listening, and I was like, this man is using hypnotic language patterns. Repetition of his words are hypnotic. And cadence. Yes. cadence. That's what I was about to say. Cadence. cadence. And yeah, that's, what I, mean. that's yeah. what I mean. But but a great speaker has a cadence. Um, yes. but he- King had a cadence. Um, President Obama had a cadence. But he's not using the other person that we were talking about is not using for the good. Right. But exactly. a good speaker, even a good pastor has a good a good Absolutely. cadence. You want to Everybody has a but, cadence, but his cadence is intentional. Yeah. There was some, right. there was some very, some very specific patterns that he was using that I, I was listening. I was recognizing like, oh, he's using Milton model patterns. There were certain things that he was doing, like 
you know, some of the things that people thought, oh, that doesn't make sense. Oh, it so makes that sense. was intentional. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's cadence, but then there's the way that he was using his words or not using his words, putting together sentences. So that's what I'm talking about. When you start to recognize those things, you can be like, oh, turn that off. Right. That's not what I want to listen to. That's the reason why I don't watch, uh, um, um, what you call it? TV, um, the news, like the 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 Real Housewives and all of that stuff. Oh, I don't oh watch yeah, I don't watch that. Oh, reality, yeah, reality, TV. reality TV, because it's very suggestive and it'll have you angry. Like yeah. um, I used to watch it. I used to watch it, and I would find myself like being angry. Like they, you know, they're always fighting, fussing, fighting, and it's very suggestive. And I would find myself being angry. Like, what am I angry for? And it was Right, it ain't got nothing to do with me. And it's just because I had been watching that. And um in my metaphysical like studies or whatever, it always says that you have to whatever watch what you speak into the universe because you know that matters. And it made me um think about that what I just said about the words that you speak and about spelling and words being spells. Yeah. Just be, be intentional about what you speak into the universe because that matters. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm gonna I'm, I'm, I'm be intentional. Because, you, you know, they, we always say um, words are very effective. So if we speak it about ourselves or speak it about a person, if a person accepts that, they bring that in. Yeah. And it might not be true. Well, a lot of stuff that other person was talking about, none of that was true. But stuff like someone else that we admire, those things are very, uh, very true. So I don't watch reality TV either because I don't think it's very reality. That's true. <laughs> so I don't do that anymore because I'm like my sister. That was getting on my nerves. <laughs> and I'm way too smart for that. So I stopped watching. I don't watch any of those kind of shows. But I do listen to the updates. <laughs> <laughs> Highlights. <laughs> From y'all nieces. <laughs> I'm ready for that one. <laughs> but I, I've never been a reality TV watcher. Um, and I think it's more because I felt like a lot of them put themselves in. Let me, let me backtrack. I felt like, you know, growing up, the, the statement that was ingrained was what goes on in this house stays in this house, right? And so... When I look at reality reality TV, I'm like, you just airing so much of your own personal business. And I don't feel like that's something that, first of all, I need to know. And because I um, am one of those people that takes on what other people are experiencing, um, I have to be very, very protective of what I take in because of that. So I'm watching you know, Shanika go through something and like Vina said, she angry because she watching that and I'm sad and moping because she going through this. That's not my life. And I can't carry that. So I've I've stayed away from reality TV. I'm I'm more of a give me a TV drama that lasts about 42 minutes and I'm in there. Law and order. Hello. (laughs) So um okay so we are in the now. Let's talk about the future. Where, where, where are you going with your your uh, school? Um, and what do 
you have on the horizon that you might want to share with our listeners? Well, so um, I think that, you know, as it as it stands now, um, my the consulting and the, the advisory work, like working with community organizations is like really a big passion of mine because I'm really wanting to impact families. Um, I love this work in parenting for parenting. Uh, I, I can tell you that some of my biggest learnings has has been as a mom with this work and utilizing it with my son and and expanding how I listen to him and expanding how I'm able to parent him. You know, I was raised with old school parenting. And I do believe that there are some old school values that are very that are very valid. And then some of the tactics of parenting were very harmful. <laughs> and so I'm like looking at how do I take some of those old school values and infuse them into more conscious parenting? And then how do I teach other parents this as well? And a lot of people who come to my trainings who do like the actual coach, the NLP trainings, I talk a lot about this inside of those trainings as well. Like how do we parent differently? Because if I talk about what the future is, it really is eventually working with kids directly and being able to teach them and working with parents and children together to cultivate like deeper relationships and healthier relationships inside of families. So I think that's probably, you know, one of the one of the paths that I see in the future. And then using working with a lot of community organizations to help get this type of work out to people who would ordinarily not be able to maybe afford the the type of services that I provide or the training itself to be able, how do I take that through community organizations and really spread it into the community and utilizing corporations because you know the corporations got money. Yes, they do. (laughs) And utilizing that also to partner with community organizations. So I think if if I'm if I'm looking at the future, it really is impacting children and families and you utilizing the corporate arm, utilizing community organizations, and then those people who want to come and do the trainings like therapists or doctors or coaches or those people who are working with other people, um, those are the people who come into the trainings as well to be able to duplicate what I'm doing out in the community. That's just that's how I see it. It's all it's all, you know, um, it's all for the next generation for me. Like when I look at why, I, cause this work is hard. Um, it's not easy work. Like talking about trauma all the time, teaching about trauma, working with my own traumas, talk, talking up, teaching people, you know, through their resistances of how to change behavior, working with corporations and multiple different personalities, of huh. different ethnicities and, and identities is challenging. And so if I think about, well, why do I do this work? Because there are days where I'm like, I quit. <laughs> Done. Um, it's it's for my son. It's for the generation ahead. It's for the nieces and nephews, for his friends. It's for all the kids that are growing up in the world right now, especially the children of color, the children of marginalized identities, so that they can be, they can have it, you know, a, a more fulfilled, uh, a better life out in the world, you know? So, uh, two quick, short questions. How early um, does a parent begin working in this space with a child? Is it before birth? Is it after birth? Or a, a month? Or is it is it set? What makes sense? And how do you determine that? 
Well, so the truth is it all makes sense. Wherever they come is, is going to be fine. Like I don't want to leave people with, oh, it's too late. But I always tell women who before they have children or when they're pregnant, it's the perfect time to like go through a training because then you're doing the work because we all we know that the, that this this um, trauma can be passed down generationally and, um, you know, epigenetically. And so we so I say I say, look, if you can release trauma before your kid is born, do that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're pregnant do it while you're pregnant because you're still releasing that emotions. When I do this work, sometimes there's a question that we ask is, you know, what is the root cause of this problem? If you were to know, was it before, during or after your birth? And you'd be surprised at how many people say during or in the womb, right? And so the unconscious mind keeps all memories. It holds all memories. Mm-hmm. And so with that, yeah, before, the, when, if you're thinking about having kids and you're, 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 you haven't had them, that's the time to do the work. If you're pregnant, that's the time to do the work. If your, your baby is, you know, six months old, if your baby's 21, do the work because mm-hmm. you can transform relationships. When you, when you heal yourself, you're healing back to the past and you're healing to the future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when I started doing this work, me and my mom had a dynamic. We still have a dynamic, but it's, it's a different dynamic now. Um, but we had a very tense relationship. I couldn't be around her for more than about 72 hours before I was like, Psh, right. And, and, <laughs> right. Time right in her hand. and I love my mama. I love her, love her, love her. But there was just this tension between us. And so when I started doing the work, it started, it started affecting how I was responding to her and how I was interacting with her. And that inspired her to do her own work. Mm. So now she's healing and she's healing her own trauma and she's healing back to work to, to her mother right now. My grandmother never did the work before she passed, but it, their relationship shifted. So by me, me doing the work, I actually healed backwards. Mm. Right? And I'm also breaking harmful cycles so that my son doesn't experience it as well. So that's why I'm, I say, wherever you come into the work is where you come into the work. The earlier you, you know, I used to say, oh, I wish I could. I wish I could have had this work when I'm 48. I wish I could have had this work when I was in my 30s. I was doing a master practitioner training. And there was a 15 year old in there. And I was like, my God, if I had had this work when I was 15. Wow. You know, but I also believe God's timing is the right timing. And so, you know, I got it when I was supposed to get it. And now my son is going to be lucky enough to grow up in it, in it as well. Right. Mm-hmm. I had my oldest son when I was 18. And so, of course, I was raising him while I was growing up. And um, so I always, I started doing like, uh, I'm a master of mindfulness practitioner and I'm, I'm a yoga um teacher and I you know I'm going to school for metaphysical science and I I got all of these things and so I'm a different mom to my other two sons than I was to him and I always say that I'm a better mom to them I think and I apologize to him but but I was growing up you know and you can't you only can parent from your level of understanding. Right. And so when you reach back to your parent, you can understand that they can, they were only parenting from their level of understanding. Mm-hmm. And so you can't be, um, I mean, you can if you want to be, but you can heal once you realize that 
they were only doing what they knew from what you know what they were given right and you were only doing what you knew from what you were given and now i'm changing that and i'm a like i was very i was not level-headed at all but i was also a child you know what I'm saying? So I'm I'm trying to grow up and I'm trying to raise him and I was going to the military and I was getting married and you know, it was so many different things going on at one time and I was I was I was trying to be a good mom and I thought that I was a good mom to him and now I see how I raised my other sons and I wish that I could have given him that. Um and it's just like you said, I wish I had that when I was fifteen but I didn't, so. Yeah. But I think that you are lovely and you are growing with your boys and you have given them what you got. So I tell you this all the time, I talk to her all the time about her nieces. I didn't know how to be a mama. So I had to apologize to them for my mamas. You understand what I'm saying? I learned how to be a mom from my mom and my mom learned how to be a mom from her mom and she did it from her mom. And we're talking about Southern Alabama where they were sharecroppers. Mm-hmm. And they were doing the very best that they can do. Right. And they have having 11 and 13 kids. Yeah. So she wasn't as soft when it came to my grandmother. So my grandmother wasn't as soft when it came to my mama. So my mama wasn't soft when it came to me. And I wasn't soft when it came to them girls. So as we always say, I give them their lessons. Here's your lessons. Here's your book. Here's your guide. And I need you to go out and do what you need to do. I don't cuddle them because I didn't get cuddled. So I don't know nothing about it. So, but you know, Bina, you know, she makes me a more gentlier person. And um, when I got my PhD in um, holistic medicines, I, I did that because all three of us on this on this call are veterans, and they they treat us by medications. Mm-hmm. And then that medication caused me to have another issue mm-hmm. and another concern. And I wanted to find out a way to help veterans. This wasn't even about me. This is about how I can help another vet not experience what I had to experience in a more holistic manner. So we need to talk a little later because if you got some certifications over there that can um, help solidify what I'm doing for my vets, I'm going to have to get it. You no. got a payment plan? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm there with it. I'm with it. I'm with it. Yeah. I, I, you know, I love, I love what you said about the parenting is and it, because when you start to understand, and this is what the work does, um, especially the timeline therapy does, is it brings in the space of forgiveness, mm-hmm. both forgiveness of our parents or our ancestors and forgiveness of ourselves. Yeah. Um, and I think that is so important. And a lot of times we're quick to forgive others, but we're not as quick to forgive ourselves. And, and children are so resilient. Right. Like the the thing that my mother never did was apologize to me as a child. Right. Like it wasn't a thing that that generation really did. It just wasn't a thing because it was like, keep it moving. Keep it, you know, like you said, keep it hard, keep it surviving. Right. And then for 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 you ladies to say yes. And now I apologize. I mean, that that in and of itself is modeling something different. Right. So like for you to apologize then to your oldest son to say, hey, you know, I know I was harder on you. I mean, that sinks in. He, he, if he's, he's, he's 18, you said? No, he's 26. 26? 26. I, I so still, still 26, she had him. 26 is young, 
right? And so now this 26 year old is like, has a whole new world because his mom is doing different work. And is and so if, if I in my 40s, 30, 30s and 40s healed my relationship with my mom, then I mean, in the 20s, that's, that's you know, that's happening, right? And so I just, I, I wanna acknowledge you all because this we're doing it differently. Right. It doesn't matter when you start doing it differently. Right. No matter when. Right. Right. It's matter. It matters that. 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 I like that. <laughs> I like that. Okay. It's gonna be on my um, my car chronicles next week. <laughs> car chronicles. Amen. Yes, ma'am. Okay. So. Um, you stepped out to do what it was that um, you saw fit to do. Um, what advice would you give other aspiring entrepreneurs? Oh man, the biggest advice that I would give other aspiring entrepreneurs is, first of all, if you have a skill and a passion, you can figure out how to make money with that. So that's the first thing. Right. If you have, if you know you're good at something and you like doing that something, you love doing that something, you have a problem that you want to solve in the in the community, the world, whatever, do it. All right. And if I had anything that I like, the biggest thing about this that I would want aspiring entrepreneurs to know is to don't do it alone. Do it in community. Get a coach. Be in a program. Find us a community near you. Find people who are on the same track. Get an accountability partner, a committed listener. We have to stop doing things alone. That's good. I was a solo practitioner for 10 years and it was lonely. And when I transitioned into coaching, I immediately started looking for people, you know, um, in the field that I could play with in the sandbox. And I think I learned this lesson probably the hardest just as a mom. Like we cannot go about this life alone um, because I'm I'm single, sta- single mom status. Um, and so, you know, like when my work takes me to travel, I don't have anyone here in Atlanta, any family here anymore in Atlanta. My mom moved to Mexico. <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. Which is where we're going in July to visit hey. them. <laughs> yes. But I don't have any local support. So I've had to like build mom communities here. And, um, and I have, I do have a couple of like, you know, friends, but I can't lean on the same one friend all the time. So I've got to right. build a community. So what I say is, you know, no matter what your circumstance, if you're aspiring to be an entrepreneur, find a community um, that can support you and go for it. And it's, it's not about like, if you're, if you're in a job and you want to start a business, you don't have to just jump out of your job into the business. You can start your, your business on the side and grow it until it's making the money that you need to it to make. And you want to calculate, this is how I transitioned. Think about, you know, what your service is, what are you charging for that service? And how many clients or products or whatever do you need to move in order to 
have enough money to feel comfortable transitioning and make your transition that way rather than, oh, I'm making some money, now I can transition. You have to really be strategic about the calculation so that you don't end up having to go back, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, and then you can scale, if you can, scale back your hours in your job, scale back, go from full-time to part-time, or if you got, if you're in a position or the type of job that you could do contract work or pick up work, do that. Um, that's That's how I did it. And I think that's what ultimately had me be successful with the transition. So, um, is there anything else that you want to tell our listeners? You know, I think that what I want to share is if, if you feel like this is something like learning about this work of working with the unconscious mind, um, learning about how to communicate more effectively in a more trauma-informed manner. If you want to learn more about that, there's resources. Um, I do have a podcast, the Black Mind Garden podcast. It's a place where I do talk a lot more about this work. I talk a lot more about how I apply it in all kinds of different facets. I talk a lot about the parenting the parenting um, game, <laughs> you know, and how this work applies in parenting how it applies in business. I talk a little bit more about, you know, the, the being trauma-informed and what that means. So I would just say, you know, in terms of um, wanting to learn more, definitely check out uh, the Black Mind Garden podcast. And um, I'm sure you ladies will point them in the direction if they're interested in learning more about um, the training itself or having me speak or come in into organizations to train. I'm very committed to this work in organizations. That's probably as much as I love to teach it and and do my coach certifications. I love 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 going into organizations and teaching this work because it's a definitely a trickle down effect. It's it, it allows me to just reach so many more people at a time. I love it. Mm-hmm. I think I think um, well no not I think listeners y'all know anomalies we will have all of dr maisha's information and contact um below uh so no 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 shortage of information in that regard we will have it all for you all um so let's transition a little bit dr tanya we're gonna spotlight you yes my sister Let's let's talk about um, understanding. Was it understanding you're pretty? Understanding you're pretty. Okay. So I have three girls, right? And they have different personalities and they have <laughs> different pretties, right? So I'm telling them, you need to understand the power of your pretty, okay? When working in corporate, working in the military, working in government, working anywhere, there's always going to be a situation with a lady who's pretty, right? So that pretty lady thinks that she gets things done because she's pretty, thinks that she gets favors because she's pretty. She can move around on the board easily because she's pretty. But that pretty lady doesn't know she's causing problems for the other pretty ladies who don't want to play. Okay, so you have to understand the power of your pretty because sometimes pretty ain't always on the outside, it's on the inside, here 
in here. So when I'm talking to my daughters, when you have the pretty power, you need to learn, learn how to use it carefully because it can get real tricky. It can be quite dangerous and it's very powerful. So I need for them to understand they pretty in all ways, your size of your waist or the round of your butts or the cute little face. It's in here and in here. Thank you. You're welcome. My butt ain't round. It look like a bell pepper. <laughs> <laughs> so ask me what I'm bringing to Thanksgiving dinner. I'm bringing y'all bell peppers. Oh, <laughs> bell <God>. peppers. No. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, me being touchy. So <laughs> I, love that. I, 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 I think um, definitely I can I can relate to that. Um, and, and I think, I think for a lot of us, when you are attractive, you feel attractive, you are attractive to other people, people tell you attractive, um, that it's nice and all, but I think I, I, not, I think I am, um, I, I'm more excited when people, uh, acknowledge and recognize the, I don't want to say unpretty, but the, the inside, my mind. You know, my heart, my soul, um, how I interact with people. Like for me, those are the things that I want people to find pretty um, because this fades and I don't have none of this. So and these drop because gravity. So like, I mean, my pretty has to has has to be sustained with with other things. And, and for me, that's my mind. That's my heart. That's my soul. So a good lesson, especially for them at, at their age, as they um, continue to uh, grow and navigate this life, especially as moms and pouring into their kids as well, that that pretty, it's nice. It's very nice, but it does not last and it does not carry you. So um, I'm done. That was my little spill. I'm off my box. Back on my sofa. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I agree. Um, I'd rather be recognized for my intellect. I already know I'm pretty. I mean, you ain't got to tell me that. I mean, <laughs> tell me I'm pretty. I know. Thanks. I know. Hey. <laughs> tell me something I don't know. I mean, I, I know I'm pretty. I know I'm smart. So tell me about my brain. Don't tell me about my face or my butt or that I'm pretty. I don't care to hear that. Especially from somebody that ain't my man. Like, why are you telling me that? I, I don't care. Like, go somewhere. If I'm if I'm at work, like, that is a no. Please. No, please. No. I work hard. I, I, I ain't get all these degrees and certifications and all the other kind of stuff for you to tell me that I'm pretty. So, good day, sir. I don't want is, it. Is that the space that we normally end up in? I know for me, if, I'm, for, if a man approaches me and his words are, hey, sexy, I'm immediately angry. Yeah. <laughs> that is one thing that is such a pet peeve for me is to be called sexy. And I, and I know that's it's for some people that I, I'm glad that I'm not alone in that. Like, I'm just like, um, no, 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> no, you don't know me because we we don't. Sexy is is more for us, while for them it's straight up physical. Okay. When I think about sexy, when I think about pretty, you know, again back to what we all just said, it's more than the physical. Yeah. So if you just ne- minimize me to my yeah. physical that part then I'm like you definitely ain't even on my level so what are we doing here let me keep it moving I'm not even about to entertain you absolutely and to that point and to understanding you're pretty I think one thing that our our young young ladies should understand is that is that pretty even as a word it does it, it is minimizing to the physical and that they're automatically so much more than that. And so to, to just get by on pretty is, or to have the, to have the mindset of that mm-hmm. will not take them as far as re- leveraging the rest. Mm-hmm. And if someone is pushing them through on pretty, like that can be dangerous, as you said. Don't. Yep. You know, because then what that can be done, what can happen is that can be weaponized against them. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, you know, you can enjoy the the pretty tax. (laughs) You can enjoy it. And just being being making sure that you're aware that there's a there is a consequence too when you're looked at in that way. Yep. Yeah, and they make it harder for everybody else when they use their pretty to get by like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then they start thinking that's the norm and it's not the norm. Right. Like, I don't. I don't. I don't operate that way. Right. So when, when my then, sister just said it causes a problem for other women. Yeah. Because this is what these women were doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's I can't call you on what you're gonna do because you're an adult. What right. I'm gonna call you on is the problem that you're gonna cause for me. Mm-hmm. Because I don't operate on that. I and, mean, and my sisters, we served in the military. I was just about to say that we've all come on that. We all um focused areas, and you know, anytime a woman come in, they automatically think that you're going to use being a woman to not do the work, and you have some women that use that to not do the work, and so when you come in, they think that you're going to be one of those one women to use being a woman to not do the work and don't put me in that category because I'm not one of those women yeah but you see the women you see those women that use being a woman to not do the work and so it's like I joined the military because I wanted to join the military and not find a husband right. that, that's, that. exactly yeah. <laughs> I had there's something to that though because if you think about women who are utilizing they're pretty to get by they're pretty to not do the work or they're pretty to move up then what there is to, for them is that they're equivalating their external beauty to their worth mm-hmm. and so it really means that there's something in underneath mm-hmm. that they don't feel is worthy other than their looks Right. Somewhere in their childhood or their past, that's what they were told. Right. I was about so, to say that. That's exactly where it starts yeah. at. 
Yeah, so that in effect is sort of like the, a belief system, or even like a, a, a trauma that they've been re- that they've been told they're nothing. They're not. There's there's nothing else that is worthy about them other than their looks. Maybe they were told they weren't smart enough. Maybe they were told that they weren't good enough, and that the only way they were going to get by is by their looks. So it's something to look into for for those people who are watching pretty people get by like that you know one way we can help them is to start to help them dig deeper into- right and i don't want your trauma to, to cause me to mm-hmm. get more trauma because their trauma is causing me trauma <laughs> when, exactly. when their trauma is causing me trauma yeah. because when they use their pretty to get by or to they sleep that way to whatever they doing or whatever they're doing it's causing the men in my my flight or whatever to think that I am going to be that type of person. Now I got to fight. <laughs> All your life. Now I got to fight. All um, my life I had to, I fight. to fight. I understand. Like, I my, I, yeah, and I get my daddy, her brothers. It's a lot of fighting for women. And if you are a woman of good character, I'm just not yeah. even saying all those other things. Mm-hmm. We're constantly in the fight because I don't function on that other mess. But because the norm has been that right all the way through. Now, when I come through, I'm bugging against the system and my sister's bugging up against the system and my soror's bugging up against the system because that's not how we operate. But just like my soror sisters just said, uh, her trauma has not caused me trauma. <laughs> And that's what happens. You know, you get trauma causing trauma, talking to trauma, talking to trauma. But the, if, if the if the girl never does the work, right, then the, that's not going to stop. If nobody right. ever says, you need to go figure out why what? you think you're only worth your, your outside, then it's right. never going to stop. That's my point. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, no, it's not to, it, I mean, obviously, yes, her, her trauma or other people's trauma causes us trauma, right? And somebody's got to tell this sister right somebody's got to tell her and it's and it's not it's not necessarily our responsibility your responsibility but something right i've got to say but it needs to be not gonna be receptive yeah yeah it's not yeah it's like you know it's it's a slippery (laughs) slope because someone's got to tell her but it's not it doesn't necessarily have to be you know anybody's responsibility and how will she know? I always tell people in my life, in my personal life, I say, if you don't tell me what I'm doing, how will I know? I be able to fix it? Fix it. Yeah. Right. So we need to we need to have people in our life who are willing to tell us, and sometimes we need to be the people willing to tell others, as hard as it may be. I mean, that's just that's just it. And we can plant the seed that telling them doesn't mean we have to force them and drag them anywhere, drag them to therapy or nothing like that. Plant the seed. Because when you plant the seed, then they gotta look. They may they may say, Oh, I don't, I don't, that's not why they may do all of that, but that is resistance, and the seed will get planted. Right. And if enough people plant that seed, eventually, and they may already know. You may just be, I see it. And then they're like, oh, you know what? That seed grows a little bit for a while. And then uh-huh. they will go get the work done. 
but this is part of the condition of our community as sisters, as brothers, sisters and brothers, is that, you know, we have come to this place of that's like, that's your stuff. That's not my stuff. And I think to an extent, that's to keep, to take care of ourselves and to keep ourselves safe. Yes. And mm-hmm. we can't grow alone. Right. Right. We cannot grow alone. The condition of, of our trauma response. Right. Not one to help somebody else. That's also a trauma response because you don't yeah. want Exactly. We don't want to be, we don't want to be activated. And right. and that's, and that well, there, there again is the, the, <laughs> the benefit of doing the work. Right. We I love it. Work and you release all of the negative emotions around those traumas, then you actually can go and you could be like, oh, I see what's happening here. And it doesn't impact you in the way that it would if you had already healed that, if you hadn't already healed that trauma. Mm-hmm. This is so beautiful, and I feel like we can just keep going for hours. <laughs> yeah, my son is like probably like downstairs, like where's she at? <laughs> I want to say what you told me you was gonna take me bike riding today. That's I can hear him now. <laughs> well, we are we are definitely going to let you take the young man bike riding. But um, we uh, you got to take her grants to, to the, the movie. Go movie. Yes. see the Spider Verse. Yeah. I got a graduation today. <laughs> oh, okay. Everybody, lots going on. I ain't got nothing to do, so I'm about to go lay down. <laughs> Hashtag goals. <laughs> right. <laughs> Having nothing to do. Hashtag goals. Oh my goodness. It was so great to have you here with me today. Um, I'm going to have to be a. Uh, I'm going to stalk you. I'm just going to openly stalk you. Yeah, come, on, come on. I accept. <laughs> I accept. <laughs> well, we will have all of your information for our listeners to um, be able to contact you below. And, um, Bina, do you have any closing thoughts? Um, make sure you listen to the Black Mind Garden podcast featuring Dr. Maisha Claiborne, mm-hmm. um, MD. Claiborne. Claiborne or Claiborne. <laughs> it's correct. Um, <laughs> thank you for listening to the Nose Black Women podcast featuring Dr. Maisha Cla- Claiborne, Claiborne. Either way. Um, <laughs> this is episode 50. Uh, it's brought to you by, uh, Biaisha Inc., Poised Affairs, Dr. Maisha Claiborne, and Dr. Tanya Johnson, Car Chronicles. Uh, that's that's all. We'll have everything in a box below. You can catch us on uh, social media, Anonymous Black Women Podcast. You can catch us on YouTube, Anonymous Black Women. Mm-hmm. You can catch us on your favorite podcast channel, Anonymous Black Women Podcast. We love you guys. Catch you later. Bye.